Hi, and welcome to Living Unleashed. I'm your host, Alex Runneman. This is a production growing out of my passion for identifying, questioning, and addressing the many challenges I face as an entrepreneur, father, and as a resident of my small Appalachian hometown. From community revitalization to work and business to health and everything in between, join me as we discuss the challenges, but most importantly, search for solutions that may assist you in your quest to unleash yourself and your community. Hello, Taylor County. I'm Alex Renan with Unleashed Tiger, and I'm with Brandon Antion, who's running for the House Delegates for the 49th District. Brandon, thanks for joining us on the program. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And let's get started with just telling us a little bit about what a delegate is. What, what's that office about? Okay. Um, you know, it's the, the first time I've been asked what a delegate is about, <laughs> what it is. And... Uh, Really, for me, it's it, it's it's kind of hard to describe, and I, I mean, I, I guess I'm going to kind of go into why I want to be. Sure, that's very that very next question. You can go yeah, right in I, there. I, I guess that's that's probably the best there. Um, I'll, I'll start off with a, a couple of legislative sessions ago. We saw some right to work legislation, and um, you know, I started doing my research at that point and, and realized that um, people who work in right to work states tend to make about 3 to 4% less than people in similar jobs in states with you know, full support of the unions. Um, I, I think as a delegate, you know, or, or you know, my reason for wanting to be a delegate, it, it started there. You know, it started with a little bit of anger, a, a little bit of being upset with how the, how the state is treating us and, and how um, the delegates within our state is, is treating um, the working families of West Virginia. Um, moving on to the uh, the school strikes, you know, then then we started seeing paycheck protection, and we started seeing that um, you know the defunding of schools. Uh, sure, there there have been some uh, you know bones thrown towards the education area. But in general, um, the, the way these, these laws, these bills are, are coming across is going to uh, ultimately defund our public schools. So, um, you know, what is a delegate? Why do I want to be a delegate? Uh, I, I hate to say it's a little bit of anger, you know, a little bit of being upset, and, and a little bit of wanting to, uh, you know, take the future of my neighbors into my own hands. Yeah, makes sense. So share with us then a role or a challenge or some kind of experience in your life that you feel has at least in part prepared you to be a successful delegate. You know, I've done so many things. I mean, I guess I could, I could list off my resume and, uh, and tell you that I, I've been a union rep uh, as long as I've been a teacher. I became a principal. I got to see the other side. I got to, got to learn a little bit about management, management of people, management of money. And, um, you know, ultimately, you know, those, those two pieces of the puzzle, you know, those, those things, you know, kind of combine to uh, give me the kind of experience I need to become, you know, and, uh, and hopefully be successful. Yeah. yeah. So what have you done recently uh, for the county or, or the city or, you know, the, the state for that matter that would kind of allude to the fact that you're, 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 you're going to be a successful delegate? What can the people point to to say, yeah, that's our guy? 
I, I think once again, I mean, it, it's, it's pointing back to the resume. You know, as far as civic duties, you know, I, I haven't had a whole lot. And, and that's part of why I want to be. You know, part of what I want to do here is, um, you know, be, be able to look my neighbors in the eye and say, you know, I'm doing the best for you. I'm, do, I'm doing the best I can. Um, you know, what, what have I done? Uh, you know, I was uh, at one point, you know, one of the youngest people to have ever been on a board at uh, a United Way organization. It's called the Shack Neighborhood House. It's in Montegalia County. I'm not sure if you're familiar. Yeah, yeah. That's great. So at, at 18 years old, I was on the board. Um, I, I actually took the place of my mother, who had worked there, uh, you know, on the board anyway. And, uh, you know, have always been interested in public service. If you're elected then, what is your strategy uh, for having a successful term in office? I mean, what, what do you, how would you define your success? Well, let's start with just listening to people. You know, I, it doesn't need to be that long of an answer, really. Um, you know, when we looked at the school strike and we looked at the charter school bill, 88% of West Virginians that, that went to these um, town halls so they didn't want it. And, and yet, we had a majority of voters in the House and in the Senate that said, well, yes, you do. Well, I, I feel like it's the public's job to decide what they really want. And I, and I feel like a delegate should listen to them and, and be able to um, you know, do things that, that will help to make their community more successful and not necessarily listening to the out-of-state interests. So when you, you know, when we, we never miss a moment on this program to remind people that in a representative republic, you have representatives and you have republic, and the republic needs to be engaged, informed, active. So listening to them is one thing, but what will you be asking of them to help you be successful? <laughs> I'm going to ask them to speak to me. You know, to, to, I mean, look, I mean, I, I understand. You know, um, people don't always see every single bit of the issue. Um, sometimes the bills can be a little more complex, you know, the omnibus bill, uh, you know, where education is concerned. But, you know, in, in reading all of these, you know, I'm going to be able to take back to the public and say, hey, you know, I mean, how, how is it that I can maybe rework, add an amendment, to help you. Um, I, mean, I know it's kind of a roundabout answer on saying that, but um, I, I'm asking the public to be involved. I'm asking the public to call me. Yeah. Uh, that, that seems to be a consistent theme. We're always, I'm always back to the people. These, these, these candidates want your input in, in every way they can. Um, what do you see? You know, we could have a long list and, and a big long party about, or a, a pity party about what's wrong with West Virginia, the challenges we're up against. But what are our opportunities? What do we have that, that's, that's a power that we can leverage? We have natural beauty. We have water. We have gravity. And, and for the most part, we, we have a fairly clean environment. Um, the, these are things that people need to see. These are reasons why people come for tourism. And you know, I'm, I'm all for tourism in West Virginia because if you spend enough time here, you're going to want to stay. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. What are some of those biggest challenges? You know, some of those obvious ones, but what do you feel are our biggest challenges? We're not healthy. 
know, we have, we have issues with um, prescription drugs. We have issues with illegal drugs. Uh, methamphetamine is a, is a huge, huge issue. Um, and, and we're not treating these people um, medically. You know, we are, we are sending them to prison, you know, wasting Lord knows how many dollars per prisoner. And so, you know, one of the challenges is, you know, getting a majority to be able to say, you know, hey, let's, let's rehabilitate these people. Let's, let's treat them. Let's get them to a point where they can be productive again. Let's make them functioning members of society again. That's, that's a huge challenge. You know, our obesity rate. Um, you know, we, we have heart attacks all over the place. I had one. Uh, <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you're here. And yeah, okay. I, I'm glad I'm here too. It was about <laughs> 10 years ago. Um, and, and I think part of that is, is you know, it, it's income-based. It's stress-based. Um, you know, when, when you don't have the money to eat properly and exercise and you're spending all of your time working which is not a bad thing mind you I mean you know we should be working but when you don't have that family leave you know, when you're working a, a minimum wage job you know you have to go to work sick you don't take care of yourself as well as you should and and so that becomes a challenge, you know, how, how, do, we, how do we make these people or, or, you know, get these people onto a more equal playing field with those who, who do have the free time to exercise and the money to eat correctly? Yeah. Yeah, so when we talk about health, um, right now, as of recording, there's no COVID-19 coronavirus infection that's been reported in West Virginia. By the time this is being shown, Maybe there is, maybe there isn't, yeah. you know, we, we don't know. But I, I bring that up, the opioid epidemic, I bring these things up. When, it, when, when we vote somebody into a position of house delegates, we're looking for them for leadership. And when things like this happen, we look to our leaders for what to do. And so I guess I, I'm, I'm asking you, <clears throat> what is it you would be doing as a leader um, to help either, either prepare for, for events that, we, that are unexpected? I mean, it's a hard question. How do you prepare for the unknown and the unexpected? Uh, but, but knowing that something is coming, there's always something, God forbid, it, but it happens. Um, how, can, how can we rely on you as a leader in those moments? Is there, there's pre-planning, there's action during the moment. What, what can we look to when we see you in that position? Well, well the first thing is looking federally. Um, you know, the, the idea of Medicare for all is a huge deal. How many people don't go to the hospital, don't get their regular checkups, you know, they, they don't do the things that, that we all know we need to be doing because they're afraid of that copay. And so, um, you know, part of this will be, you know, finding a real funding fix for PEIA. Now, if that funding fix happens to be, you know, opening it up and, and, and bringing it out and, and giving us, uh, you know, a, a statewide Medicare for all sort of, sort of uh, plan um, that that would be absolutely wonderful uh, I, I understand that that's uh, an expensive proposition and that's going to take 
get a cooperation on both sides of the aisle. That's going to take the public understanding that, you know, it might take a little more of your paycheck. It might take less. You know, if, if we have uh, an entire state worth of a coverage group, you know, the, the risk pool is lowered. So, um, you know, introducing ideas where, where we can actually get people into the hospitals, into clinics. Um, now, the other thing would be uh, negotiating as a state on prices for medicines and for drugs. Um, you know, we, we currently don't do that. You know, there's, there's no reason why it should cost somebody, what, what is it, uh, $600 a month for, for diabetes? Excellent. Yeah. <coughs> um, you know, I would think that uh, some, somebody as large as PEIA would be able to, on a statewide level, find a way to bring that cost down. Makes sense. So we reached out to the, uh, the folks in our county to ask questions for various offices. And uh, we have a few. These are more kind of issue-based things. And I'd like to understand uh, your strategy around that. School choice is one that pops up uh, quite a bit. And it was really busy in the last the, 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 a couple of legislations ago, or the last legislation. Not this current one as much. But um, what's, your, what's your position or what's your strategy around what you think is, is the right move for West, <clears throat> for West Virginia in regard to school choice? So when I look at school choice, and um, let's be honest, when we say school choice, we're talking about educational savings accounts. They call them vouchers in other states. And we are talking about charter schools. So if you look at a charter school, a, a charter school says that they can educate our children for 90% of what a, a traditional public school can do. And whatever they do below that would be you know, profits in somebody's pocket. You know, I, I can't be sure who, but it's usually, uh, you know, an educational management company that, that would be the recipient of those profits. Um, the problem I have with this is our public school system has fixed costs. You know, we still have to run buses. We still have to clean the schools. We still have to make sure they're safe. And so when we start taking students away from the formula, we start coming to a place where we have to remove services from our public schools. Beyond that, as I was looking at uh, the taxes that we pay here in Taylor County, for somebody to be able to say that their tax dollars are, you know, they should be able to spend their tax dollars how they'd like. Well, I agree, we should be able to spend our tax dollars how we like, however, how much of your tax dollars are really out there? And by that I mean, for, for me to send a kid to school, you know, you're looking at eight to $12,000 a year. You know, that's, that's what the state spends on, on kids. And it, it varies from county to county. But, you know, we'll, we'll split it down the middle and, and call it 10000 So at $10,000, you have to have, you know, $1.1 million worth of property for you to actually be paying your child's tuition out of your tax dollars. I don't know how many people can really say that. And, and I don't know how many proponents of school choice can really say that they have $1.1 million of property for each child that they send to school. So in reality, 
most of us, it's uh, you know a tenth of that. You know, we're we're paying about a tenth of what our kid, you know, to go to school. And I have three kids, so so we're looking at for a year of school, I'd have to pay taxes for thirty years. So are the school choice dollars really coming from the people who would be receiving them? It's, it, it's just kind of a thought. You know, I, I, I'm a math guy. I, I like numbers. Uh, gang, gang. <laughs> um, now, now, ESAs are, are a different uh, thing altogether, though. Uh, when we look at ESAs, trying to think, I, I'm, I'm trying to remember my numbers here. So when we look at ESAs, um, you know, now we're going to say, okay, uh, we'll, we'll give you half. You know, ha half of whatever it takes to send your kid to school, we'll give you half of that. Um, you know, once again, you know, we're looking at $500,000 worth of property, or, you know, uh, you know five, 550, give or take. But beyond that, um, Taylor County has about 200 kids on homeschool. Barber County, which is where I work, has another 160. Well, if you take half of what it takes to educate a child, and you're looking at 200 kids in just Taylor County alone, so that's $5,000. You know, we're looking at a million dollar loss for the school system. And as I said before, there are fixed costs that can't be made up. Makes sense. How about broadband? Broadband's a big topic. Um, if you are anywhere off the beaten path, it seems to be in West Virginia, unfortunately, you're probably not going to have great broadband. Um, there's broadband in name only, which is, you know, some, some frontier and those things that really aren't true broadband. Um, then there's folks who are still on dial-up, or, or maybe it's, wi it's wireless, there's different things, and 5G has its name. But, but from a state perspective, what can we do? What can you do as a delegate um, to, uh, or do you see it as an issue at all uh, in terms of our, our broadband deficiencies in our region? Well, of course it's an issue, and, and I feel very fortunate that uh, here in Grafton, or at least downtown Grafton, where I happen to be, my broadband's great most of the time. You know, we'll have to throw that most of the time in there. My <laughs> wife sometimes complains about it. Um, but it's a utility. I mean, it, it's in today's society something that's needed. And... You know, I'll have to uh, defer to Stephen Smith's plan on this and, and look a little deeper into it. But, um, you know, it's important for our education. We're sending kids home in different districts with Chromebooks, iPads, um, you know, PCs of some sort, MacBooks, whatever the case may be, and telling them to do their homework and, and telling them that they need to be able to use the Internet to do it. So... That's one of those things I think, uh, you know, we, we definitely need to expand it out. And uh, it shouldn't matter what holler you happen to live in, it should be available. It, it's a challenge. I use I used the analogy all the time. It's the TVA of the 30s. You know, I mean, it's it's like bringing electricity to people for the first time. It, it absolutely is a, is a critical need. Um, let me ask you about medical marijuana, really medical and recreational marijuana. If you want to just talk about what your strat what you think is the right strategy for West Virginia. Oh, I'm going to get murdered over this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, 
this, I, I, this yeah, is I, one I, of the most popular yeah. topics that come back to us. Honestly, it doesn't uh, matter which side you're on. Um, yeah. It's it, it's it's out there. Recreational marijuana is all over the place, and it kills less people than drunk driving. And uh, I, I sure wish the state could have a cut of that. Um, you know, as we look at tourism, you know, let's bring it back to tourism. We are within, what, six hours of half the country in West Virginia. And if, if we could bring recreational marijuana and tax it at, at, a, at a sin tax sort of level, then we could be looking at uh, windfalls like, like are in Colorado. Uh, what, did they pass the billion dollar mark? in taxes in right around a year? What could our state government do with a billion dollars worth of tax revenue, most of which is coming from out of state? You know, this, this is a tax that wouldn't be on the back of West Virginians. I mean, don't get me wrong. Some West Virginians would be partaking. <laughs> but, um, you know, the big portions would be people coming from Pennsylvania, you know, from Ohio, Maryland, you know, all these states where they may have access to medical, but as far as recreational. And now let's think about, you know, the hotel tax. You know, I mean, they're, they're going to want to stay somewhere. So, so now we add that revenue. It, it would give many small businesses opportunities to succeed to create new jobs. So the, the next question I have, I'd like to call this the magic legislation. Magic legislation question. So you have the ability to write a piece of legislation that has full support for the House, crossover day goes to the Senate, full support, unlimited funding, you know, and the governor signs it without delay. What is that piece of legislation you'd write? Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I, I'd love to say that I, that I have something off the top of my head that, that is the, the silver bullet that, that, you know, makes West Virginia first instead of 49th or 50th and everything. But I'm going to start small. And um, I start that with right to repair. Are you familiar with I, right to repair yeah, legislation? Um, it's, it's kind of a pet project of mine. And, and I know it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to create the waves that, uh, you know, I mean, some people are going to say education, which, by the way, you know, I mean, I'd love to fully fund our education. But in terms of small business, I think right to repair can be huge. And, you know, you've got, you've got many big corporations, John Deere, Apple, which, by the way, Apple fanboy, love my Apple computers, love my iPhone. But I sure would like to be able to repair a screen without, you know, um, without having my phone not do everything that it used to do in the past. I sure would like to see farmers be able to repair their John Deere tractor uh, on their own without having to hack it. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to see, you know, um, not just the dealerships in on this game, but... Uh, in our small businesses. 
Yeah. And, you know, part of that is not to lose the warranty, be able to have access when we talk about right to repair. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a big deal um, in certain circles, for sure. And, but, but if given access to genuine parts yeah. and certified technicians, I don't see a warranty issue. We do this with our vehicles. Mm-hmm. Yet, for some reason, there are some companies stonewalling this and, and not allowing. Well, it's not some reason. It's yeah. profit. <laughs> yeah, it's actually. profit and control. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's it. Yeah. And, you know, there's we, we see a lot of that happening in Europe. I think they're, they're a little bit ahead of us on this. I mean, I think there's some movement there, right, at least yes. recently. But, you know, as, as in most things were privacy or individual rights, mm -hmm. you'd think we would be leading the charge on that. We're Americans. But somehow right. the profit motive uh, sometimes gets in the way on some of that stuff. Well, that's Kind of part of what America was founded on. That too, you know, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, you know, cer certainly I want people to be able to make profits, but I, I also want things to be common sense. You know, it, it's common sense that, um, you know, if, if a MacBook screen dies, I, I don't want to have to go to Pittsburgh for that. That's the closest Apple store. I've got to go to South Hills. It's a little lighter fare. One of the questions we also ask people to come in is, is just some lighthearted question, and I love this one. Um, what is it you're most grateful for? Most grateful? I, I have a beautiful family. Um, they, they have been amazingly supportive uh, on this crazy journey that I'm on. Um, my, my wife sometimes shakes her head, but, uh, you know, she's always there to say, you know, you got it, babe. You can do this. Awesome. That's great. Hey, well, with that, um, as is customary on this show, we always offer the candidate the last word. So what is it you'd like to tell the voters of the 40, uh, 49th District? I, I'm, I'm going to tell them that I, I have nothing prepared as a speech for, for all of this. <laughs> um, I, I would certainly appreciate if, if you, the viewers, uh, decided you wanted to come out, cast a vote in my name, um, said I'm here to work for you, I'm here to listen to you. Call anytime. And uh, oh, yeah, by the way, phone number 304 216 1354, antionforhouse.com. Great. Brandon Antion for House Delegates, 49th District. Thanks for coming on the show. Good luck. Thank you.